are entering the Freedom Hut. Been quite a week for the administration. We have so many people running around telling us that we should care so much about Russia. But here's a huge shock. The American people don't actually care. We'll talk about some things they do care about, like what's going to happen in the midterms, what's going on with immigration, how the left thinks that now low wages equals violence. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Can we still call President Trump the leader of the free world? Can we still call him the leader of the United States. It's just as serious to me as the Cuban Missile Crisis in terms of an attack or the 9-11 attack. His performance today will live in infamy as much as the Pearl Harbor attack or Kristallnacht. When do we see almost a shadow government come out and say, we cannot side with the government, whether it's the cabinet or the Senate? Trump has been a problem, as I say, and now I feel it's it's a, a crisis of real urgency. And I'm not sure what we can do except try to contain him in various ways. The definition it meets is the first word of the impeachment article in the Constitution, which is treason, bribery, and high crimes of misdemeanors. You had a one-word reaction to what you saw yesterday. Treason. Treason, yeah. What is wrong with him? It's time for you to stage an intervention. This is urgent. We can't count on the President of the United States to do the right thing. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. That, that gave you a sense of how things have been this past week, which is uh, just a whole, a whole lot of insanity, a whole lot of people completely and utterly losing it um, because of Trump's meeting in Helsinki, for which we, we don't even have the full details. Isn't that interesting? Right. It, it was terrible. It was such a miss. It was the worst thing you've ever seen, the worst thing you've ever heard. It was... Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was the equivalent of putting pineapple on pizza, folks. Who does that? What are we? Savages? You're probably are you a pineapple on pizza guy. Yeah, you are. John likes pineapple on pizza. OK, fine. Maybe it's not that bad. I know I eat gluten free pizza. Who am I to make? Yeah, pineapple and ham. I know people do this. It probably tastes delicious, by the way. I, I think you can put a lot of things, um, a lot of things on on pizza that would be surprising folks but let's get into the substance buck don't get distracted just because it's a friday uh although cnn's distracted you know what bye here's a shock more stormy daniels or no i'm sorry this is actually is this not this is the other alleged mistress now that they're saying is a is that real yeah, yeah, yeah. okay this is a mcdougall one. Oh, you know these are the only two storylines they care about at cnn this is the cable news network the the, the situation room with wolf blitzer you know, whose whose main attribute seems to be that his face never registers any emotion or knowledge. It's amazing how he does that. It's like, I am Wolf Blitzer and I am reading off a prompter. You cannot tell my political affiliation because you cannot tell anything. My face is mostly covered with this Bernanke-esque beard. Uh, it's Bernanke. I've said that. I, I give respect where due. It is Bernanke level. It is Bernanke level. But these are the only stories they like to run over there. And because the Russia thing, they, I think they exhausted themselves like like a toddler that cries himself to sleep. I think the left has finally gotten to the point with all the Russia stuff where it's like, oh, you mean that this isn't really this isn't really going to be something we can continue to do. This isn't really going to work the way it's supposed to work. Oh, wow. 
Um, I guess we have to move back to Michael Avenatti. And like that, after after a week of nonstop Russia, 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 sure enough, here I am in the Freedom Hut in New York City, and I see uh, on the on the one hand, you've got Fox talking about trade deals, which matters to people, matters to the economy, matters to producers, matters to farmers, matters to people that are involved in America, also known as Americans. And then on CNN, you've got, quote, I can't believe Michael would do this to me after learning Cohen recorded their discussion of Playmate payoff. They think that they're going to flip Michael Cohen on Trump for a campaign finance violation of some kind that they're going to just twist the law to try to make that a thing. They will have violated attorney client privilege in the process. And and. uh, They think that. Sure enough, this is justifiable under some bizarre rubric of whatever you have to do to get Trump is acceptable. Whatever you have to do to uh, whatever you have to do to defeat this menace to America that is Donald Trump is on its face justifiable. Even attorney client privilege doesn't matter anymore. Nothing matters as long as you can get Trump. So that's why we have Michael Avenatti, Michael Cohen. It's. It's almost like CNN's on some kind of a loop. Like they just keep running the same story. Oh, it's time, time for some Avenatti. Time for some Strawberry Daniels. Time for some McDougal. <sighs> All over what exactly? All over the notion that somehow, for some reason, Trump... Well, if, if there really was... If there were these affairs and they had information to prove the affairs... I'm not saying it's impossible that we wouldn't already know. It's possible they would have held it for some reasons I'm not aware of. It just seems to me not entirely likely. It's plausible but unlikely that neither Stormy Daniels nor uh, Karen. Is her name? I got to get names right. Karen McDougal. Is that right? Yeah, McDougal. By the way, last night, guys, I said um, uh, I said Robert Spencer. I meant Richard Spencer. So prove me wrong. Well, last night, yeah, there you go. Last night I was wrong. I, it just was a, a mental slip. But Richard Spencer is the white nationalist. Uh, there is no, there is no known white nationalist named Robert Spencer on the national stage. Uh, so, that all said, uh, oh, my friend Ellison's on Fox News right now. I remember when Ellison used to do real news on the Blaze with me way back in the day. Man, all of my, all of my Blaze peeps, are taking over the media now. You know, you got people all over the place. We got all the different networks. It's like Glenn has seeded the media with these conservative sleeper cells. We're all just waiting for the right time to strike for the con- for the Constitution. Yeah, Alex Jones did say that I was actually a CIA sleeper in, in talk radio. That I'm supposed to take over talk radio on behalf of the CIA. How'd you know, Alex? Who told you? Um, Alex Jones might get booted off of Facebook, by the way. You guys know that? There's, there, there's a push that he's so outside the... He's actually got pretty big reach. People, people listen for whatever reason. People listen to that show. They absolutely do. I, I don't know what to say about it other than that is a thing that they do. So uh, anyway, um, where was I on this whole Russia thing? It's just the whole it's crazy, man. It's as though you were writing it out in a script. They've been talking about nothing but Russia all week, and now they've switched gears, and now you're in a place where... Uh, they are 
switching to Avenatti and switching to Stormy Daniels. And this is just, this is the playbook. And what's so funny is it got the Gallup poll right here. 37 issues. This is just, this is just from the most recent Gallup poll. There are 37 issues in Hat Tip Daily Wire for this that Americans care more about than Russia. We do not care. And why would we? It does not really matter. It doesn't matter to any of you. I don't come up here and say nothing matters, right? I'm not playing some game like, whoa, whatever the politicians do and say. No, 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 no. Immigration matters. Trade policy matters. Law enforcement matters. Right? There are things that we all need to care about as citizens, as people living in this country. What, what, what the words that Trump uses in, to, to describe Putin all the time, it just doesn't really matter. I know the media wants it to matter. I know they want us to care so much, but that just frankly isn't going to be the case. They can't change Americans' minds on this. There is a fixation. There is a near insanity from the left on this stuff that, or maybe it's an all-out insanity. I don't think it's a near insanity. And it just keeps getting, they keep getting deeper and deeper into it now. Now they're talking about a Manhattan madam, and they're, they're just, they think they're going to find out something in Trump's background that's going to finally make us all turn on him. I just don't see it. And they're grasping. You know, can't, doesn't CNN have like a Democrat to, to create some storybook, some false storybook narrative around to tell us it's going to be the next great whatever for the, I mean, yeah, there's Ocasio-Cortez, but she needs to do a little more studying. That was, I said that nicely. I, that was a nice way of saying it, I think. So we're talking about immigration this hour. We'll talk a bit more about the Mueller probe. Got some updates on that. Also uh, discussing the latest and uh, greatest from moveon.org. Oh, you're going to want to stick around, team. we got a Freestyle Friday in effect. Many of my Democratic colleagues in the House uh, voted present, which I think is uh, unconscionable. These are dangerous jobs going after uh, human smugglers, sex traffickers, drug smugglers, uh, and people who are illegally entering the United States or are in the interior of the United States. Uh, and for a candidate uh, for office in New York whose views can only be characterized as socialist uh, to call for abolishing ICE and then to see so many leaders of the Democratic Party jump in behind her and say, oh, yes, we should abolish ICE, that was outrageous. So we said, you know what, you have legislation, we'll put it on the floor. And they turned around and said, no, no, we're not going to vote for that. That's right. They were voting present on, on abolishing ICE. They talked a big game about it. What a surprise, the Democrats, when push comes to shove. Bunch of wimps. Bunch of wimps on this one. What a shock. But sure enough, that is the situation uh, in which we find ourselves, my friends, after this week. It was all for show, as we know. But this, this abolish ice thing, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it, and... Uh, you know, what, what's one of the things that's really interesting to me is that I thought that this was a Machiavellian base turnout plan. You know, like you, you often I fall in this trap a lot. You, you often are in a case where you often find yourself being in a situation where you think that the opposition, you think that your opponents are just really, really smart. You know, they really know what they're doing. They're brilliant. And and that can kind of throw you off your game because your assumption automatically becomes, well, 
They must be thinking three steps ahead. And with this abolish, abolish ICE, abolish ICE, with that whole campaign, with all that stuff you were hearing, I was thinking to myself, they must have a, they must have something in mind here, how this is going to help them, you know, get their uh, get their base to come out or something, right? They're, it's just too much to think that this was a blunder. But now I'm actually switching around on this one because I think that the abolish ice chant was just they they had this moment where the media was all was all on their side uh, and and they finally had a chant that could get them all excited. Right. Abolish ice. I mean, you hear the things that they chant. Right. Whose streets are streets occupy Wall Street. You know, I've been at the I've been at the rallies where they've chanted Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And, you know, that they. The chant is very central to the mobilization of leftists because they ideologically tend to be collectivist. They think in in terms of group and they are particularly susceptible to a hive mind ideology as a result. Right. It's always about what's best for the group, for the the entity that they are a part of. That's also why identity politics is something that Democrats uh, spend so much time focused on and, and operating within. But, you know, Trump said uh, yesterday that Dems have, quote, a death wish in their push to abolish ICE. I, I think he's right. I think he's taking the wind out of their sails uh, on this one. I really do. I think that, you know, he sees this for what it is, which is that they're just flailing. They're just flailing. What do you think, Mike? I, I think abolish ICE. I don't think that plays well as a chant anywhere outside of san francisco los angeles new york and dc i really don't i don't think anywhere else you're going to get a lot of traction with that one i agree i think it just pushes uh, more voters to trump yeah it's like this is what they offer up this is what we're supposed to get all uh you know energized about we're supposed to think that abolishing ice i also there's so much disingenuousness they say oh well book you guys will talk about how you want to abolish the department of education i'm like yeah we're not saying no one goes to school. If you abolish ICE, then you don't have anyone to do federal immigration enforcement. It's not like there's if you abolish the Department of Education, what you're saying is the states will be in charge of education. Already there are state departments of education. It's, it wouldn't be such a big deal. We, we operated as a country for a long time without that. We have always had somebody, as long as we've had borders to enforce, we've always had somebody, whether it was, you know, the customs houses. I mean, look, it's gotten a lot easier to get here, right? So we've had to change things. It used to be we had a couple of ports of entry. They were actually ports. And to get here, you had to come on a ship, pretty much. And in some of the other places, you could get here, but you had to go through uh, na- native areas that were a bit dangerous, from what I understand, sometimes. Sometimes. I'm reading this book on the... Uh, on the Aztecs and, and Cortez, the whole thing, man, they don't teach kids. They don't teach kids what really, what, what really went on. You know, it's just, we're all taught like, Oh, the, the, the Aztecs, they were basically, you know, they, they were reciting Shakespearean poetry to each other all day. Or they were literally ripping people's guts out for sport to, to appease gods and doing this by the thousands and thousands, depending on the particular ritual and, and holiday, you know? I, but but yeah, sure, sure. They, they were practically a bunch of a uh, bunch of regular Shakespeare's in uh, Tenochtitlan. <sighs> Conversation for another time. 
Uh, anyway, th- this whole situation with abolishing ICE level, I, I do think it just shows that the Democrats have a have a particularly weak hand uh, when going into the midterms. They have no economic message. They have no real immigration message other than amnesty and more illegal immigration. That's a losing message for them. I do not think that they can win with that as their messaging. And I think that the more that the American people get a sense of where all this is going, the more the American people understand what's really happening here. You know, I'm telling you, we're going to have to have like a secret Freedom Hut session where we just obviously I'll do the show. But I'm saying where we're all like, okay, everybody, you know, maybe keep the MAGA hats away for a day after because if the Republicans win in the midterms, I don't know what the country looks like, but it's going to be it's going to be like one of those scenes where Godzilla is like crushing the city and everyone's just running around. That's total panic and pandemonium, except Trump is going to be Godzilla in this analogy. Like it's going, they're all going to be running away, screaming in the streets from Trump. If the Republicans, even though Trump's not on the ballot, but they know it's Trump's party. They know that there's no way of getting around that. He's he will have been president for two years and all these elites and all these fancy, fancy people that have been running around suggesting and all that you need is just somebody in there who really understands the ins and outs of, uh, you know, international policy and, and the really, you know, has a Ph.D. in this or no. Or has been a lifelong bureaucrat, a lifelong politician. You've had a guy who for two years like, yeah, I think I can negotiate, know some things and do some stuff, you know. And the country's been been doing fantastically in that period. The country is so strong economically right now. And I just, I have to say this. I know we got other stuff to get into, and I will. And I know it's a Friday. We're going to have some fun, too. We've got some other topics coming up. Apparently, uh, we're at a point now where getting, if you're not paid enough, that's basically violence. We'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. That's right. Low wages equals violence, according to Democrats now. But, you know, we're really at a point where I got to say, if Democrats had an economic message, we would have heard it. They don't because it's not possible for them because Trump is doing so well on the economy. There's nowhere for them to go. There's nowhere for them to run. That's why you don't hear about it, right? Could you imagine if unemployment started ticking up considerably? Could you imagine if we had a massive stock market crash? Oh, my gosh. We hear Trump is the worst. Trump is the worst. Uh, But they got nothing. They got nothing right now. And that's what's so fascinating And in a sense, also scary because they're going to lose it. Uh, We'll be right back. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. You might give them the benefit of the doubt, but why does this always happen? Every time... Something happens on on one side where we find out a new revelation about what appears to be to be real problems in the FBI and DOJ with this investigation. Then all of a sudden they drop an indictment. You know, people were telling me, people were telling me, Buck, the uh, the twelve indictments or whatever it was of the of the Russian trolls right before Helsinki, Trump. When I say people are telling me this, I saw reports on this. This wasn't from my sources, so let me step back on that. But Trump. Trump wanted this to happen, they say. Trump invited, invited the notion of the indictments coming beforehand. And I go, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on a second, okay? Hold on a minute here. Time out. 
if Rosenstein comes up to Trump and Rosenstein says, hey, I'm going to either announce these indictments before you go to Helsinki or after you go to Helsinki, who thinks that it would not leak to the press if Trump had said, yeah, you know what? Hold off on that one until afterwards. I mean, come on, right? Does anybody really believe that if, in fact, there had been a situation where Trump had said, yes, please delay, please delay the situation of the indictments for the 12, right? Yeah. I mean, guaranteed, guaranteed it would have gone out to the press. And then they'd say, oh, Trump is stacking the deck and he's doing all this bad stuff. And, you know, we, we know that these are political actors. They can't help themselves. They can't help themselves from exposing to us what a, a clearly politically motivated operation this whole Mueller probe really is. I mean, Rosenstein, when he announced his uh, indictments, whatever it was, earlier in the earlier la- or last week, he started giving some lecture about democracy and he, he thinks he's like one of the founding fathers reincarnated. You know, buddy, you're a prosecutor at the Department of Justice. We, we, we really don't need the lecture. And you can just tell us, yeah, you know what? We decided in our infinite wisdom and, and tremendous grace, we decided to indict a bunch of Russians nobody's ever heard of in some kind of effort to uh, make sure that the Russians won't set up more fake Facebook accounts going forward. Cause Ooh, you know, that's a good, th- that's something that we're going to be really worried about going forward. <sighs> you know, you want to talk about justice and what, what the injustices that are being done by the justice department all the time. All you have to do is look at what, what broke last night. And I, I honestly, I look, this is one of these stories you see these days and you go, come on, come on. They're not that brazen, right? They're not that grotesque in their willingness to uh, show that they are so favorable to one side and so opposed to the other. I mean, there's just no way that they would do that. It's so obvious, but nope, sure enough, I have not seen this retracted yet and producer mike let me know if 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 i'm missing uh, a retraction on this or, or additional updates but tucker carlson last night broke on his show a story that tony podesta the brother of john podesta whom i actually just sat and had a chat with on my show uh, tv show a few weeks ago but tony podesta who is as connected a swamp creature as you could find anywhere. I mean, if there is such a thing as the swamp, Tony Podesta is it. He has been offered immunity by the Mueller probe, by Special Counsel Mueller, to testify against Manafort. Now, I got to tell you, folks, I don't think I don't think since they went after Al Capone has the government had such an interest in somebody's tax vulnerabilities, okay? I don't think this is any, although they did go after my, my, my buddy Wesley Snipes real bad. You know, I was, was kind of like a free Wesley guy. You know, I felt, he, okay, granted, Wesley made, I think it was $40 million and had a very novel theory that allowed him to pay zero federal income tax on that $40 million. Now, I know the government can be sloppy, 
But if you have 40 million, you don't pay any taxes at all based on the I don't have to theory, which was more or less what it was. I, I feel like you're going to get in trouble. I think we, I think Wes got uh, three years for that. I think that's what it was. Something like that. Um, but so they were, you know, tax. They go after people. Wesley's was strictly bad. But but since Capone, they haven't been so fixated on getting somebody for taxes. I mean, they've turned Manafort into their version of public enemy number one. The federal government really, I mean, they want to make an example. They're talking about life in prison. And so far, all we've heard about is wire fraud, tax fraud. We, and these are all, understand this, these are all related crimes, right? This is, you're hiding money from the government, you're you know, signing something fraudulently to hide the money from the government. You're moving the money over the wire, you know, illegally to hide it from the, these are all connected. So it's not like Manafort is doing all these, you know, he's, he's ordering hits on people here and he's selling drugs there. It's not like he's doing disparate bad crimes and you add them all together. No, no. What's going on here is they got Manafort on essentially tax evasion Pharaoh registration. And Tucker talked about this last night. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not the only buddy who's been just screaming about this. They've prosecuted seven people in 50 years for Farrah violations, as they said last night on Fox. I've been saying it's like the Logan Act. It's a law that's only a law when Democrats want it to be a law. And that's what they think of the criminal justice system, that it is a a tool that just screams out for left wing abuse and misuse as long as it serves some kind of of political ends. As long as there's some means of taking this and and uh, using it to their advantage, um, I I just but here you have it. Podesta is a, is from what we understand so far, the brother of Hillary Clinton's top advisor, who had to shut down his firm when Hillary didn't win. Oh, it's almost like you mean he wasn't as valuable when Hillary wasn't going to be president anymore. Oh, maybe the Podesta group was essentially selling access. Maybe that's what they were doing. Cause, cause why, why did he, why did Tony Podesta have to shut down just cause Hillary didn't win? I thought he was offering just really sage advice, really good consulting. Oh, you mean it was swampy and it was, it was indeed swampy, uh, but he is being offered immunity just like Hillary for the production of her laptops for her and Cheryl Mills and Huma Abbott, and they were offered immunity, right? They didn't have to testify under oath. They didn't have grand jury subpoenas. It, it, it always goes in favor of the left with this stuff. And I think it's because conservatives culturally and psychologically just don't, we don't think of the law as a weapon to be abused. We actually, we are just, we are predisposed culturally to think of the law as something that is sacred and important and protects everyone liberals see the law as whatever i want it's what they want when they want it and it changes based on whatever needs they may have in the moment i mean but the fact that the fact that this is now an instance where we might have yet again even more favoritism even more favoritism shown in the prosecutorial wing of the government and how it's treating a Democrat versus Republican Manafort tied to Trump crushed. I mean, prison for life, for life, folks. I mean, Wes didn't pay. I mean, how much taxes can we be talking about here, Mike? If Wes didn't pay taxes on 40 million, Manafort's not that rich. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he's a hundo million kind of guy, but he's definitely not. I mean, they're they're talking about sending him to prison for like 30 years. 
I'm looking around. I'm like, for what? For what? Fair registration. I mean, that's just one of the many charges, but this is something that no, nobody gets charged with because it's so vague. I'm not even sure. Here's the thing. I'm not even sure that the, the challenge of a fair registration in some of these cases, whether it's Manafort or others, would even stand constitutional scrutiny. Yeah, you have to register as a foreign. What really qualifies as being a foreign agent? You know, if you work for a foreign media company in the United States, are you a foreign agent? Well, if you're British, if you're Russian, I mean, how, how do we start to draw these distinctions and these designations? And, you know, they, they don't think about this, though. They don't care. They don't think about it. They just figure whatever, you know, whatever works for their side when it works for their side. Um, and oh, but I've been saying this all along. Man of the week, folks. Man of the week is my main home slice, Rand Paul. He has been in fuego. And he's not done. Not only is he saying that everyone's got a case of Trump derangement syndrome for the whole Helsinki thing. He's also like, why the heck does John Brennan still have a top secret clearance? Now, this is alarming. And if John Brennan still has top secret clearance, can he research Donald Trump? Can he research his family? Can he type my name into computer search engines? Can he look at all of my information? Uh, it's alarming. If he has top secret clearance as unhinged as he is now, calling the president treason, treasonous, saying basically that he's for, you know, the death penalty for the president. Yeah, it's alarming. If he has security clearance, it's absolutely alarming. Notice how he pointed out treason can carry a penalty of death. And so when you're calling the, the, the president treasonous, you're just making a legal argument that could have some very, very troubling ramifications, right? I said that earlier in the week, too. There you have it sitting U.S. senator saying it. This is all what's really going on here. And, I mean, John Brennan, he, he is uh, he is a truly, he's become somebody that is, I'm, I am scared what he is capable of because I think he's a true believer. I don't think this is an act. You know, some of the people you see on CNN, and by the way, they're all in, oh my gosh, Mike, can we get Michael Avenatti on TV? Let's hear more Michael Avenatti. We've got this really compelling story to tell about Stormy Daniels. I mean, CNN, the reason you are losing to reruns of Nick at Night in the middle of the day is because you do not care about what the American people care about. You just care about trying to think that somehow you're right in this whole mess and that you're going to just... They're just carrying on a feud with Trump. CNN is no longer a channel devoted to progressivism, although it's stealth. They launder liberalism. It is a stealth progressivism. They pretend to be centrist. I've walked you through this before, but that's the, the whole CNN gimmick is we're just journalists, man. And then everyone who watches who's liberal goes, yeah, all the things that I think and believe are somehow true according to the journalists, right? MSNBC is like, all right, we're a bunch of libs. Let's talk to all the libs. I'm, I'm much cooler with the MSNBC approach. But at CNN, I mean, they're, they're essentially in, a, in just they're just now in an open feud with the president and they're letting that dictate their decisions about how they're going to schedule programming and what they're going to do. Right. That, that's what's going on with CNN. That, that's why their ratings are so poor. And I, I don't know when as a brand it finally starts to affect them. I mean, they really are kind of a legacy institution, so it takes a long time for this stuff to affect them. But. Anyway, uh, speaking of progressivism, I do want to spend a moment to talk to you about a campaign that I just saw today. Here's the short version. Wages that people don't like are now violence, they say. Stay with me. I'll explain. (laughs) 
So I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot. I've seen some stuff, my friends. But this is the craziest one that I've seen in a little while when it comes to a left-wing organization and the new direction. So this is from MoveOn.org, which is a uh, left-wing political activist group. I'm sure you're familiar with them. I should go back and research the origins of this group and where it comes from and all that stuff because, you know, I feel like maybe Soros was writing checks. Yes, we need to move on. Move on org. That sounds like a good idea for a site. Uh, but so- Soros aside, see, when I used to work for Glenn, man, we used to talk about Soros so much more. We, we got a lot of Alinsky and Soros time in back, at the, back in my Blaze days. Uh, am I right? Is it Soros? I'm amazing, dude. I am. I am like a some kind of incredible i'm a very stable genius bam exactly just like that i didn't even know that i knew that and i knew it i do and i don't and i did um yeah so it is a, it is soros uh, move on.org i have the many billions of dollars and i pay for the move on.org and also talk about international markets and crashing currency of poor people but then i talk about how much i love progressive values in the Bretton Woods system. Yes, Soros. Uh, so this moveon.org, courtesy of Soros campaign, that they've got out here is low wages. That I'm, folks, I'm quoting. I'm not making this stuff up. I don't have to. They're so crazy, there's no need to make stuff up. Low wages are violence. Knowingly letting people suffer is violence. It must end. This is what this is now what they do, because violence is bad, right? The same way that everything that they don't like is Hitler. Everything that they don't like is now violence, right? Or every person they don't like is Hitler. Everything the liberals don't like is violence. They've done this with speech already, right? They'll say speech that they don't like is basically the same thing as violence. Speech that, you know, that they get upset about might as well be considered violence. It's practically the same thing. And then they have this uh, in this ad. I mean, this is going all over the place right now. In this ad, they have a guy who's got here's what's written. He's a young guy um, and he's it's something written in Spanish. So I'm assuming he's a young, his, young Hispanic or Latino gentleman. Not that I'm jumping to any conclusions. I don't know his ethnicity, but it's written in Spanish on his sign. So here's what he writes. Oh, no, I do know. His name is Miguel Calosto. So I think Miguel is probably. Uh, He probably habla espanol, right? I mean, that's a fair, and his sign is written in Spanish. Okay. He goes, I'm doing the jobs of three people, cashier, baker, and running the store. That's a lot of responsibility for just minimum wage. I deserve $15 and union rights. You know, I'm just going to say this. Like, if if you're running the bakery, you may think, that the guy who runs the bake shop is a fat cat. That is not a weight joke, by the way. I'm saying you may think that the guy running the bakery has got a lot of excess cash reserves. But it's a very, it's a razor thin margin business. And if he could pay more, and if he needed to pay more to be competitive, he would. $15 minimum wage? All that's going to do is put some businesses out of business, cut back on people's hours. It's not as easy, despite what liberals think. They think this about prices. They think this about wages. Just because you wish it were so, it does not make it so. 
and trying to force it once you realize that your wishes can't just become reality leads to some very bad stuff. Venezuela is the one that we point to right now, but show me any place where the government determines what the price is of consumer goods, and I'll show you an economic disaster. So anyway, move on, courtesy of Soros. We've got to talk about China coming up here. I got to get motivated every day. I got a lot of work to do. I know you have the same thing, right? And what do you need no matter what you face? Energy. You need to get fired up. You need to have the energy to get through whatever it is, whatever task you have before you. Strikeforce Energy can do that for you, my friends. It is a veteran-owned, American-made energy product. Go check it out for yourself. Go to strikeforceenergy.com, enter discount code BUCK at checkout. And this is so easy, right? You take this liquid, Strikeforce Energy Liquid, you mix it in with water, tea, lemonade, yogurt, whatever it is you want, and it just gives you that boost. I mean, they've really worked on this formula, so it'll get you fired up. And also, for every packet you buy right now, when you go to StrikeforceEnergy.com and use that discount code, which is B-U-C-K, Buck, for every packet you buy, they will donate a packet to military members around the globe. Strikeforce Energy is fuel for the fight check it out for yourself strikeforceenergy.com discount code buck buck sexton permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence make make no mistake america great you're a great american again this is the buck sexton show former cia analyst former member of the nypd buck sexton it is buck sexton now Just remember, we're the bank. We're the bank that everybody wants to steal from and plunder. And it can't be that way anymore. We lost $500 billion last year with China. We are going to end the theft of American intellectual property, crack down on China's trade abuses, and confront countries that cheat. I also had a very candid conversation with President Xi about the need to reduce our staggering trade deficit with China and for our trading relationship to be conducted on a truly fair and equitable basis. We can no longer tolerate unfair trading practices that steal American jobs, wealth, and intellectual property. China, uh, from a counterintelligence perspective, in many ways represents the broadest, most challenging, most significant threat we face as a country. Uh, And I say that because for them, it is a whole-of-state effort. It is economic espionage as well as traditional espionage. It is non-traditional collectors as well as traditional intelligence operatives. It's human sources as well as cyber means. We have economic espionage investigations in every state, all 50 states, that trace back to China. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. You know, I've been telling you this week. What did I say? I said you'd hear more about China. China. There you go. I said you'd hear more because I, I got I got people now in D.C. I, I got people that know people that know some things about some stuff. And now that from Trump leading into this was a that was some historical sound bites we had there. But but Ray, FBI director, that was just from yesterday. And who does he sound like, folks? Who's he remind you of? China is the biggest counterintelligence threat to the United States by far. That's the FBI director. 
I'm not making this stuff up. When I come on and I tell you, I said China's a much bigger threat. I brought this up on my show, Rising, on Hill.TV. I, I bring it up here on radio, right? China is the real problem because when China actually implements some of the technology that it is stealing from us, when China takes action based on all of this, we got a real problem on our hands because the Chinese economy is enormous, right? When you look at Chinese GDP and U.S. GDP, uh, you know, the, we're, we're getting neck and neck here. We are closing the gap very rap, or they're closing the gap very rapidly. And so for them to get access to our most sensitive economic, military, and, and other information is a real challenge. But you see, the focus is so on Russia because that benefits Democrats here at home. And this is why it's important to talk about this. It's not a diversion. It's the truth. They spent all this time wrapping themselves in, oh, we need to protect our democracy. Oh, all this pearl-clutching snowflakeism over Russia from the left. And, and they act like it's their, their patriotic duty now. You have the former CIA director. You have the former NSA director. You have the former, all these big, oh, intel people who are coming out and, and actively opposing President Trump and saying that Russia is this imminent threat. And never even mind the stuff about, oh, it's like Pearl Harbor. Oh, it's like, you know, what was the other one they were saying? 9-11, or oh, it's like Kristallnacht. I saw that somewhere, too. The Russian intrusion into our election. Meanwhile, on every observable front, China is more sophisticated in its efforts to undermine us, more sophisticated in its efforts to steal from us, more aggressive in its cyber intrusions. And unlike Russia, we may not have a massive military and economic edge over China all that much longer. It, you cannot make the case, and this is what, and, and I would challenge anyone, anyone who thinks they are a national security expert or thinks they know something about anything to come on, and they are welcome to debate me on this, you cannot make the case that Russia is a bigger threat than China. In fact, you can only make the case that China is realistically a bigger threat to our national security right now than Russia and has been for years. So since that is the truth, since that is the reality of our current national security situation, I would then ask you, why is it that you hear not even 10 times as much, 50 times as much in the media about Russia as you do about China? You see, it's not really about national security. It's not really about the sanctity of our democracy. And I, and I know you know this, but it's important that we get a chance to say this out loud. You get a chance to hear it. I get a chance to say it. We can share these thoughts. The fixation on Russia and Russia-related actions, election intrusions, and everything else is purely a partisan spasm because they're so upset, because they're such sore losers. The Democrats are such whiny babies over Trump beating them in the election. Russia is not a real national security threat to the United States. Russian Facebook accounts are an irritation. They are aggressive. They're annoying. But they are not something to keep us up at night. And they're certainly not anything that we should be threatening real military action over, which I know some people are crazy enough that they're actually saying that. I had the congressman on my show earlier in the week saying we should shut down the Russian banking system. That's a really good way to get yourself into a, you know, a thermonuclear war. Okay, that's a very bad idea. 
Um, but this is the this is the truth of it. You see, the Democrats are willing, just as they were. And I know this is this may sound a little harsh, but just as I saw Democrats, and this is from being inside the government, I saw people who were working for the intelligence community and people who were you know in and around Capitol Hill who were cheering for our greater difficulties and even eventual defeat in Iraq. And I know people would say, no, it's true. I saw it. Okay, I heard it. I heard the conversations. Because it would have meant the humiliation of the Republican Party, of the Bush administration, and it would have meant that no longer would Republicans be considered the superior party on national security. That same at-all-cost mentality exists with Democrats today when it comes to their Russia collusion delusion. And it is that they are willing to pretend that this is all about securing the country, even if it means spending little to no time and energy preparing for the much more realistic, much more serious threat from China. They do not. Think about this. How can they take themselves seriously when they spend so much time talking about Russia and the cyber intrusions? I mean, you look at the things that we think China is behind. China is is stealing everything. And then they're taking it and using it for building their own advanced military technology. They're using it to build their own companies that are essentially ripoffs of American intellectual property. They're establishing clear. This is they're pushing deeper into the Indian Ocean. They're setting up a really a mercantilist. They're kind of replaying what the British Empire did. China is just setting up clear supply lines of raw materials wherever it can, however it can so that it can feed this massive economic engine that only a billion people could possibly support. And they've got big plans, folks. What do we have ahead of them? We have our ingenuity. We have our creativity. We have the dynamism of American minds. We have the the courage and valor of our military. But our technological advantage, which is a big part of, by the way, our, our economic and military advantage over the Chinese, is eroding with every day. And it's eroding a whole lot faster than it would otherwise because they're stealing stuff from us and in ways that who knows. But do you, do you really think and this is just now I'm just going to get outside the box for a second. You think the Chinese aren't running different scams and, and the Chinese government isn't involved in trying to push U.S. policy in one direction or another. You don't think that they're using shell companies and front companies and and cyber operations and, you know, and seeding things into the media. I mean, we're, we're not naive here in on the Buck Sexton show. We get it. All that. And not just the, not just the Chinese. Lots of countries are doing stuff like this. Keeps bringing me back to Obama knew this was going on and did not did not think it was a big deal until Hillary lost. And that see, when they say it's a 9-11, they know that it's not a 9-11 in the security sense, but it's a political 9-11 for them. This was the last thing that they had. They've been losing state houses, losing governorships, and now they've lost the House, the Senate and the presidency they just could not handle it because and this is where it really gets scary i know this is a bit of a diversion from the the talk about what's going on with china but ultimately liberalism has become a replacement religion a replacement for religion on the left it is it is a belief system that is inextricably linked to the sense of worth that people that tie themselves to it the sense of worth that they have they are good people they believe because of their liberalism. They are smart people because of their liberalism. If that's all true and that's the case, how could they be out of power? 
You know, it, it, it's somewhat similar to how, I know you're going to say, Buck, you're going from China to now liberalism to now Islamic fundamentalist, but it's Friday. It's a freestyle. Islamic fundamentalists, one of the things that comes up time and again in their literature and their propaganda is that they believe that they have the only truth. And how could it be possible that the people that have the only the only truth in the world have been subjugated and humiliated for the last hundred years? How could it be possible that the Western world has so wildly outpaced and outskilled the Islamic world economically, militarily and otherwise for the last hundred years? It has to be wrong, and therefore there has to be a, an evil hand behind all of this, and anything is justified to turn it around. That is a fundamentalist mentality. It is fundamentalist when it comes to Islam, and it's fundamentalist when it comes to contemporary liberals. Whatever they have to do to get back in power, however they have to turn this around, that's what they want to do. And that's how you can have this disparity between the situation with Russia and the situation, uh, the way that the liberals view Russia and the way liberals view China. They're, they're kind of soft on the whole China situation. They're soft on China when it comes to everything, except occasionally they'll get a little noisy about human rights. But you know what? They don't want to get too noisy about human rights because the worst thing that China's done on the human rights front is its one-child policy and forced sterilizations and forced abortions. And, you know, that's the one thing that liberals don't really want to talk about. That's what the one thing that they don't want to get into when it comes to China. They, they don't want to make that part of its human rights issue. So, you know, I, I've been telling you you're going to hear more about China, not just on the show, but from the government. You had that statement from Ray, and I think it is uh, really important that we show that, one, for national security reasons, that becomes a bigger part of our conversation. You know, for national security reasons, that becomes something that we're talking about a lot more. And also, too, it just shows you it really holds the mirror up to liberals as on this issue of, oh, it's about our democracy and it's about protecting America. They're just huge phonies because the fixation on Russia is not about keeping us safe. It's about nullifying an election, and we all know it. And China is a way way for us to understand that. All right, stay with me, team. You need the best to have your back when it comes to background investigations and vetting. That's why you need Global Verification Network. Global Verification is the only dual certified veteran owned background investigation and vetting company they're independently certified by the national veteran business development council they are headquartered in chicago look other guys take your stuff they send it overseas they actually will outsource your background investigation work to other companies right so if you are a business owner or if you're somebody that owns property and you want to rent that property out you want to make sure you know what you're doing and you have the information you need to make the best decisions That's why I want you to call Global Verification. Go to mygvn.com or call 877-695-1179. They will work with companies from startups all the way up to Fortune 100's Global Verification Network. Leave no stone unturned. Lots of things discussed. There remains a great deal of work to do. But the president accomplished uh, one of his goals, which was to create a way where the two leaders of these important countries can have positive, constructive conversations that surround these incredibly important issues. 
So you got Pompeo there. I, by the way, I'm, I'm really a pro-Pompeo guy, you know? I like him. He's kind of, seems kind of gruff, no nonsense, gets right down to business. He was liked at the, you know, they liked him at the agency. You know, the, the, the file on him from folks uh, that I know were, was that he was stand-up guy. People liked him. Felt like, you know, he, he had the best interests of, of the organization and the people that work there at heart and was, was doing a good job. So, you know, but he said, we got to see. We don't know. I heard so many crazy theories about uh, what was said between Trump and, uh, Trump and Putin in that, in that meeting. And, and I sit here and I, I say to myself, you know, at what point is it irresponsible? At what point do liberals find themselves thinking, you know what, we can't just, we can't take it that far. We can't be that crazy, you know, just making stuff up as we go along. And it's just, I don't know. It feels to me like there's a situation here where they just, well, we all know that there are no limits to this. If, if they think it damages Trump, if they think it makes Trump look bad, they're all for it. They think that it's a great idea and a great thing. Uh, but Pompeo's like, look, there's, there's more to come. We'll see what the results are. Speaking of results, they're also all over. Trump for North Korea. And I keep saying this, guys. I'm like, we don't know what's happening. Everybody come up to the coast, have a few laughs, relax. We got to see what's going on with North Korea. We don't know. We just frankly do not know. And here's Nikki Haley. By the way, I am pro Nikki Haley. You know, I, I like Nikki Haley. Um, I also like, uh, what's, the, what's the Democrat from Hawaii? Gabby, Tulsi, G- Tulsi Gabbard or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, they're doing good policy. They're do- hey, they're doing good policy work, both of them, even though she's a Democrat. Uh, but here, here's what uh, Nikki Haley had to say about North Korea sanctions. Play eight, please. We can't do one thing until we see North Korea respond to their promise to denuclearize. We have to see some sort of action. And so until that action happens, the Security Council is going to hold tight. The international community, we ask you to hold tight as we go forward. The problem that we are encountering is that some of our friends have decided that they want to go around the rules. Yep, what she means by that is that some of the countries that are supposed to be playing ball, China. There you go. No drop? Come on, man. China! There we go. China's not helping us, folks. Oh, look at that. You mean China comes up again as a major problem for another policy issue that really matters to us, an an initiative where we could see assistance from them, and instead we're getting a lot of nonsense? Oh, wow. What a a shock. What a total and complete shock that is to me. Maybe if we spent more time focusing on issues that matter, we would have quite quite a bit more knowledge in the media on things like what's really happening with North Korea. You got to let that situation play out. People are trying to judge that too early. They're trying to judge the the outcome of the Helsinki summit. Look, I wish Trump hadn't, you know, some of the stuff he said is not what I would have It's not what I would have said. I'll, I'll put it that way. But it's all they also laid a trap for him with all the ways they're pushing stuff. They they know that if they if they go after Trump's ego, they're going to get a certain kind of response from him and that's and that's what they did. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that, uh, oh, by the way, today um, you had, uh, I think, $200 million released to the Ukrainian government. Is that right? Something like that of uh, direct military aid. So there's that, folks. Oh, that's right. He's so he's so in the pocket of Putin. He's doing Putin's bidding. He's so in the pocket of Putin 
that Trump is sending missiles and sniper rifles to the Ukrainian government to use to take out Russians. You'd think that that might get them to calm down a little bit on the, oh, he's in the, he's in the pocket of the Russians, but, but no. Sure enough, they, uh, they think that maybe, maybe that's Putin playing, playing 4D chess. Maybe that's, that's Putin doing some, uh, some crazy tricks that are supposed to be a, a shock to everybody. And, and I, I don't know. It's just at some point, the derangement syndrome becomes way, way too much for anyone to be able to handle. And I, we're getting close to it, folks. Speaking of derangement syndrome, we got Whoopi Goldberg uh, later on speaking out about what uh, what really went down with the judge. You know, we had the judge on the show this week. So I was like, "Ooh, we had a great interview, though. The judge and I always have fun. Let me tell you something. The judge and I get along just great. I see her. She's like, Buck. I'm like, judge. We hug it out. It's great. She's a lot of fun. She's she's fierce, man. I wouldn't. Judge Janine, Dark Alley. Dude, she'd go. She'd take that beer bottle, smash it in half, and come at you. You don't want to mess with Judge Janine. I'm telling you. Lady does not play games. All right. Stay with me. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. I got a special treat in store for you. We have the man himself with us now, Congressman Louie Gomer from the great state of Texas. He is just going to shed wisdom on all the things right now to send you off into your weekend. Congressman Gomer, thanks for making the time for us. Man, you're blowing your credibility. You got terrific credibility, and then you say things like that about me. Well, Congressman, got, you know, we, we got to put you on the spot, man. The, the hot seat. It's been a crazy week in America. Can well, you just can you just tell it's been me a crazy couple of weeks? Do you I, now? I, I need to know this. And I'm usually today. I'm in I'm in New York City, but I'm usually down in the swamp where, unfortunately, you have to spend right. a fair amount of time too. I'm usually DC based now, and yep. and I just have to wonder you, your Democratic colleagues in the Congress. When when they aren't near a camera and when they're not on the floor of the house, are they walking around like, you know, this Russia stuff is crazy. We got to tone it down a little bit because I hope that they're saying that. Well, I haven't heard any of them say that. Now, some of them, when we get out from behind the hearings, they're as nice as can be. That's that's true. But, Buck, I haven't heard a single one say anything except how bad Trump is and how we got to get rid of him. And that is extremely disconcerting to me. And I'll tell you, one of the things that that uh, made me feel good, I went to Texas A&M undergrad, and uh, I, got, I was sent a chain of emails my classmates were sending around. And they were saying, you know, the thing about Louie, if that were Hillary Clinton and the Justice Department were conspiring to, to get rid of her and use the Justice Department to do it, he would be yelling just as loudly at any Republican that acted that way. And I'm glad they realized that. And, and Buck, I've said to uh, my colleagues in open hearings before, I, I brought this up a couple of times at least, look, you know, when, when George W. Bush was president and we found out that there were over 3,000 abuses of the national security letter where FBI agents did fishing expeditions, I called the White House and said the AG got to go. 
and we're and I should have said Mueller had to go. I didn't know how bad he was at the time. But I go, where is the single Democrat? Where's one of you that will open up and say, I don't care, Republican, Democrat, this is wrong and it's got to stop. And nobody says anything. It is really an outrage that somebody doesn't stand up and say, this is just wrong. This is wrong. You know, Congressman, that's I try to talk about this on the show a fair amount. When we use the word principle, for example, we talk about you know what it means to have principles. A good example of it is... Even when it's not your team, so to speak, even when it's not your political party that would uh, benefit from a certain action, you take that action or you try to enforce some accountability because, you know, there's something bigger at stake than just a short term win in the news cycle or short term political gain. And I have not seen any Democrats that are concerned in the least about prosecutorial misconduct. The Department of Justice clearly, by its own admission, messing up on a whole bunch of key points in the Hillary email investigation, the Russia collusion investigation, the leaks that have come out. Nothing, Congressman. There is no sense of bipartisan checks and balances at all. That's that's right. The bipartisanship is nothing but partisan. And they say it's Republicans defending Trump. Actually, we're defending the Constitution and the abuses that have arisen out of justice and intel. And I know you've heard our friend Newt Gingrich say, man, if Hillary had won, we would never have known how co-optive and how weaponized the justice and intel had become under the Democrats. And, and it's one of the things I asked Donald Trump before I agreed to co-sponsor the Trump for president in Texas. I said, you got to promise me that you're not going to do what George W. Bush did when he took office. He was trying to be gracious because he can really be a gracious, decent guy. But he took office after the Supreme Court and all that stuff weighed in. And he said, you know what? Uh, I understand there may have been crimes or whatever committed in the Clinton administration, but everybody's starting fresh today. And everything in the past is bygones. And the problem with that was there were crimes committed and when he didn't root that out, it just festered during his administration until it just bloomed big time under Obama. And you can't. We have got to get these people out. But the trouble is, as long as Rosenstein is there and he is really good at schmoozing Jeff Sessions and the president, others make him think he's their buddy. And uh, until he is fired and out of there, we're not going to have any chance of cleaning things up. I was going to ask, Congressman, what do you think the next step should be from from the Republicans? You guys are the majority in the House. Hopefully that'll continue. By the way, how confident are you that that will continue? Uh, Well, (laughs) it's like uh, my friend Devin has said, if the the Democrats win the majority back, even if it's just the Senate or just the House, the investigations are going to be just brought to an end do you think democrats are trying to and do you think that some folks that i would call part of the deep state cabal do you think that they're trying to run the clock out and that's why we've seen so many delays buck you're a smart guy you've been on both sides of the government you know what's going on deep down you're part of the intelligence uh you understand you bet they're trying to run out the clock and and why would they not if you're if you're engaged in criminal activity within the government and you have seen that during the Clinton administration, 
they constantly ran out the clock, and after they delayed anything being done for three or four years, they say, oh, that's old news. I'll get off of that. So, no, we still haven't gotten to the truth. And then you look at Fast and Furious resulting in murder because of what the just uh, well ATF did and getting those guns in the hands of criminals. And, uh, you know, Terry's killed out there. And and all they did was obfuscate, and Eric Holder was one of the worst in the world of covering things up, and he walks away scot-free. Unbelievable. And so they have seen over and over Benghazi. Basically, they never allowed the full truth to come out. They delayed. They obfuscated. And so Democrats have seen that is the plan to take. That's the course of action. They have their template in place, and that's what they're doing right now. You bet it is. They're run, trying to run out the clock, and won't they be surprised when we hold the majority in both houses and President Trump ends up stronger on the other side? Congressman Louis Gohmert, everybody at Texas, the first congressional district, because Congressman Gohmert's number one. Have a great weekend, Louis. Good to have you on, man. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Buck, thanks for all the rooting out you do of the truth. Thanks so much, man. I'll do my best, sir. You keep it up. All right, team, we got a big, big third hour coming up on the show. A follow-up to the feud between Whoopi and Judge Janine. A clash of the titans. The Hulk versus the Thing. You know, like yeah, that's like the biggest. Isn't that the number one comic book crossover fight? Or Superman versus Batman, maybe? I don't know. One of those things. Uh, we've got that in the uh, next hour, and, oh, we have a, a, an epic string of roll call. We even have a new roll call intro for you tonight. That's going to be like, woo, coming up. My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. Mom uh, lived in uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's, wait, your mom's still, your mom's still alive as your dad passed. God bless her soul. Chuck Graham, state senator's here. Chuck, stand up, Chuck, let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? A man who will be the next president of the United States, Barack America. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. What kind of a chance with a northeastern liberal like Joe Biden stand uh, in the south? Better than anybody else. And you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. They're going to put you all back in chains. That was just a compilation of the great hope of the Democrats so far for 2020, folks. The Joe Biden. Blue collar Joe. It is amazing, isn't it, to watch how, when you think about it, What Trump said, and I mentioned this earlier in the week, is 100 percent correct, by the way, which is that uh, Biden was really a backbencher, really a really a second or third tier senator. I mean, when I, I remember I went to a speech by Biden and it was like Biden and Kucinich. And this was when I was living in D.C. over a decade ago, like Biden and Kucinich and. A couple of other candidates. I can't even remember who it was, but, you know, they're the Democratic candidates at the time who everybody's like, why is that guy running? 
I mean, Biden was not a serious candidate. And now they're saying because he served as vice president to Barack Obama, they're just grasping at straws. So then you get and this is this is the big uh, the big question of the week. You get your socialist of the month situation playing out right now. Um, And by the way, one of my one of my listeners wanted to draw my attention to the fact that when you look at a, at a country like Norway and talk about its social spending programs, keep in mind it has the largest sovereign wealth fund in the world because of its massive fossil fuel reserves. Norway, people don't think of it this way. The, Nor- the Norwegians keep it kind of quiet. Norway's got a lot of gas money. Lots and lots of it. Uh, but anyway, you, you have this, this hope that the energy for the Democratic Party is going to come from one of two kinds of socialists. You got the Bernie Sanders socialist, the kind of aging boomer left wing hippie type. I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to get everybody free, everything all the time. And the thing with Bernie Sanders is, you know, he remembers the Soviet revolution like it was yesterday. And and then you've got or, you know, the the other end of the spectrum, you know, the, on the younger end of the spectrum, you've got Ocasio-Cortez and doesn't know what the Soviet revolution was. But at least she's young, right? At least there's some possibility that uh, she'll be able to energize young people. I have heard. I mean, folks, we are almost in August. We are casting ballots the first week of November. And I have heard basically nothing from the Democrats about what their message is, about how they plan on winning people over. I mean, I really do think that it's just going to be a giant hate Trump fest. And that's the plan. That's the plan. And, and I also think that the Democrats are more vulnerable on immigration than they realize. I, I was just this was making the rounds today. And I just want to play this here. Uh, John, do me a favor. Uh, play clip 15 here on, on what Obama used to say about immigration. Oh, our message absolutely is don't send your children unaccompanied uh, on trains or through uh, through a bunch of smugglers. That is our direct message to the families in Central America. Do not send your children to the borders. If they do make it, they'll get sent back. More importantly, they may may not make it. You know, why is it okay that Obama would say, look, everything he said there is true and good. I I like that. Of course, his policies did not match his rhetoric. And isn't that so fascinating? With, With Obama, when he would say things that the media wanted to hear, and then do things that the left wanted him to do. No one ever talked about how this was not just incongruous, but dishonest. And when they would say that, you know, the Obama administration, they would call him the deporter in chief. That was all a lie. That was all a scam. He wasn't the deporter in chief. He was just somebody who changed the way they were calculating deportations at the border. But, you know, when Obama says, don't bring your kids here, he's not a monster. He's not racist. He's not any of those things that they say about Trump. And then they'll say, well, that's because look at the policies, look at DACA, look at these other things. And I say, yeah, you see, this is the it's the reverse of the, of the problem that that people are trying to make of Trump. Right. Trump says stuff the media doesn't like, but does things that his base and that those who voted for him expect him to do. So we judge him based on the actions. And, you know, they were judging Obama always based on the rhetoric. I prefer our way. I think that's a better way to go. And and on immigration and how that's going to affect the midterms, they're hoping that their whole message is going to be, you know, that Republicans are so mean and bad. This is an issue. The Democrats haven't really figured this out. 
The country is with Republicans on immigration. They don't want more illegal immigration. They can come up with different ways to try and change the calculations around this. They can look at different ways to ask the polling questions. The bottom line is the country does not want more illegal immigration. And when Democrats talk about the issue of immigration, that's the only thing they really focus on. You know, they they won't discuss ways of uh, they're not even focused on like guest worker programs or things that you'd think would be for those who are somewhat squishy in immigration sound like a good idea. But they won't even they're not even talking about that. They're getting as close to being an open borders party as possible without actually having to come out and and say it. And I think that's going to I think that's going to haunt them uh, going into the midterms because the American people are just simply not with them. And I look around and I try to think, who is the standard bearer right now? Uh, Who is the standard bearer who is in a position to rally the Democrats? Maybe, maybe they can count on Obama to be a successful, you know, a successful rally, rally the Democrat base effort. I don't know. Um, But so far, I mean, their their bench is they got nothing. And I know that they're all excited about uh, uh, Kamala Harris, but I, I think that she's going to be one of these politicians. She's going to kind of remind me of Scott Walker. Everybody was really excited about Scott Walker until they realized, I don't know, he's a conservative, he's on the right, but until they realized, wait a second, he's got to actually like answer a lot of questions and inspire people and do things. Kamala Harris seems great, but I've never, to the left, but I've never seen her have to deal with any opposition. I've never seen, I've never seen her in a tough interview. I've never seen her have to do anything other than have people say, wow, you're amazing. Thank you, Kamala Harris, for representing California. You're incredible. You're the best. Um, so that's what I, uh, that I I just don't see it. I don't see how they're going to be able to do this. And, and Biden is not this. I know Biden is not the answer. If they're really counting on Biden to be the one who uh, who comes through for them, I think that they are going to be a, a very, a very disappointed bunch. That's at least my assessment of the situation right now. Um, he, he just he doesn't have it. How do you go from not being able to get one percent of the Democratic Party's vote to being an actual contender for the president? And can you think think about the insult contest between Trump and Biden? I'm actually going to feel bad for Biden if it, if it turns into that. So I'm I just keep I keep bringing our attention to this because I'm almost in disbelief at how days march on. Days march on and. We don't get any more sense from the Democrats that they understand that they might not win this midterm. They might not win back power this midterm election. And then the world's going to get or this country is going to get real crazy. I mean, Trump derangement syndrome is going to turn into a pandemic this fall. Stay with me, team. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Rock. 
yesterday. You know all about Janine Pirro's uh, appearance here on the show. Now, things got hot on the air, which you expect. That happens a lot. But I want to clear up what happened afterwards, because she talked about it on Fox News last night and Fox and Friends uh -oh, this here morning we go. The whoopee the version. or whatever it is. But she it. seemed to leave out some key points, key because points. Well, she left a lot of pertinent stuff out and there were a lot of people backstage and I want to be very clear about what happened so there's a lot of spin that she's doing and I can't do anything about that but I can tell you what went on she was upset when she got here because Anna Navarro was here instead of Joy wait can we pause for one second that's completely acceptable by the way Joy Behar is really annoying and you know she just talks like this all the time and she says really stupid things on television and gets paid all this money. But I will take Joy Behar over Anna Navarro any day of the week. I, I think you could say that when it comes to television, Anna Navarro may in fact be the worst. The absolute worst. Continue, John. Supposed it was not early, it was not late, it ended when it was supposed to. She then called everybody at the table a name I cannot repeat on TV and said it in front of the audience. When I came off stage, I went over there because I was a little hot. Okay, so I went to calm down. She came off, she could have just passed me. She didn't need to stop, but she stopped and put her finger in my face and yelled, I've done more for victims than you ever will. That's then I said to her, was Some few okay. choice words I cannot repeat. <laughs> yes, I did say it. I did say it. But I did not spit on her. Okay. I did not intimidate her. No one chased her out of here. But she did leave here cursing at the people who booked the show. She cursed at the guys who do the security for the show. So I did say to her in the middle of all this, you and I have never had a problem before. Okay. You know, and then we're I had hearing to go this. back this is to work to finish the show, which should tell you none of us were chasing her because we still had another segment to do. So for 20 years, the show has always had people on with different views. OK. Like, All right. So. So, you know, I'm going to say this. The view has actually had on people and a lot of your buck. Why are you talking about the view? Guys, it's Friday night and the mood is right. Going to have some fun. Tell you how it's done. T.G.I.F. You guys remember that? It was amazing. It was amazing, dude. Belki Bartakamas, cousin Larry. He was amazing, dude. Belki, when you think about it, Borat is kind of a ripoff of Belki. Like Borat, there's a lot. I mean, I know Belki is from Greece, basically, and Borat is from Kazakhstan. But the whole like country bumpkin thing that you know speaks the truth, even though he doesn't speak the language. Yeah, that's a thing, dude. I, I was a big a Perfect Strangers fan. Uh, full House, obviously. Do you, by the way, you see the Full House. I I, I don't know if you were uh, uh, if you were on when I said this, Mike, earlier in the week. Four million dollar house now. The Full House house is four million dollars. So, uh, you know, c cousin Jesse wasn't exactly roughing it. Okay, that's like uh, this whole like oh, like the family just comes together because they're trying to raise these girls. I'd live in a four. I'd live in the attic of a four million dollar house. Nice one bedroom up there in San Francisco. You probably get about five G's a month for that. Anyway, uh, so where was I? Oh yeah, why are we talking about uh, why are we talking about the the situation here with uh, Judge Janine and Whoopi? Um, well, one is that Mike is is that the hottest uh, tempered you've ever seen, Ms. Goldberg? I have to say, I, I've actually never seen her blow up like that before. I've seen her get up in people's faces a little bit on that show, but I've never seen a straight up she neutron bombed that segment. She was like, "We're done." 
segment break, go to it. Like she was done with it. Yeah, you very rarely see somebody lose their cool like that on the air. She went. She went. She went right to we're done. Next level. Yeah, exactly. She was. She was like you know cut the mics basically. That was where she was on that. And and I just bring it up because one, you know, Judge Janine, she's not going to play with that. You know, she's just not. She's not going to sit there and get bamboozled by the other side. And two, uh, this is what Trump derangement does to people. Uh, That's it's so funny because the whole segment was really about it started out because uh, Whoopi. I'm sorry, uh, not Whoopi. The judge. uh, Judge. Thank you. Judge Janine. I kept wanting to say Anna Navarro again because. Like I said, the worst. But the the judge was like, you know, some people have Trump derangement syndrome and she kind of gestured to Whoopi Goldberg. And by the way, the reason this is all in the news today is because they said that Whoopi spat at her and they were dropping F-bombs. And it was a total, a total melee over at uh, ABC Studios here in New York at The View. And I've heard of things like this happening before. I've actually heard of it happening at CNN a few years back between a couple of people that I knew. And, you know, sometimes what you see on TV, I, I, I think people believe it's usually some kind of a like a hoax. It's a it's a ruse. Um, but it's you up there. And when people get up in your people get up in your grill, you sometimes react. This has happened with me before. And, uh, you know, people get get a little hot and bothered. I don't know what else to say. So anyway, so they they went in this thing. But it all started because she pointed at Whoopi and said that she had Trump derangement syndrome. And then she proceeded to get super, super angry, incredibly angry, almost like a deranged person. Wow, look at that. Look at how that happened. She, in fact, proved her Trump derangement syndrome on the spot. When the mere accusation of TDS sends you flying into a TDS tantrum, what further evidence could you possibly have? If you were not, in fact, deranged when it came to issues surrounding, touching upon in the neighborhood of Donald Trump, how could it bother you in the least if somebody said that you were suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, you'll also note that, and, and this is this just keeps coming up in my head. We hear all this stuff about civility from the left. We hear all this stuff about how Trump has coarsened the discourse. Trump has made things so. And then when you really think about it, who had which political party in the last uh, twelve months has suffered an attempted mass assassination of congressmen? Oh, that's right. The Republican Party. Where do we see all the stories about people being turned away for service, being ejected from restaurants or other establishments because of their ties to the administration or even for something as simple for a transgression as minor as wearing a MAGA hat? Where else do you see that? And the answer, sure enough is that you only see it with Democrats, and it's always the victims that are Republicans. Somehow, we're the ones who are supposed to be nicer, or or Trump has made everybody, you know, has has made everything worse, everything, and they always say that it's Trump's fault, but where are the Trump supporters that are doing these terrible things that we definitely see the Democrats doing? I, I I know this is somewhat anecdotal, and yeah, I'm sure there's some bozo somewhere wearing a MAGA hat who 
said something stupid or, you know, let a comment fly or, you know, I'm not saying it never happens, but I'm saying if you're going to really compare these things, the side that is constantly calling for, uh, well, calling out Trump and saying that he has made everything so much worse, he's coarse in the discourse, they're really like the guy who, who, I don't know if you've ever had this, if any of you had older brothers, but the, the, the greatest... The greatest physical humiliation that you might suffer when you have an older sibling is when they take your own hand and they say, stop hitting yourself with your hand. Stop hitting yourself because they grab your hand and they start slapping you with your own hand. Like it adds to it adds to the aggravation you feel because you are being forced to hit yourself with your hand. And that is what I feel like this this call for uh, greater decency from the Democrats They're running around, punching us, kicking us out of establishments, in some cases engaged in very real political violence, attempted assassinations. That's a whole separate category. But I just mean the day to day. Right. It's Republicans who are being chased out of restaurants. It's Republicans who are being picketed at their homes by lunatics. It's Republicans who are being verbally accosted and assaulted in the street in front of their family members, as we've seen with Mitch McConnell and other members of the administration. You know, it's Republicans who have a a hat on that can lead to somebody throwing a drink in their face, as we saw in that viral video a week ago. And yet the other side does all the complaining about, oh, I feel so unsafe. Trump makes me feel so unsafe. I feel so unsafe. I have to attack you. That's what they keep doing. They claim that it's a safety issue, and yet then they come out and physically attack us. They claim that they're the ones who think that they're under threat, and yet the actual acting upon threats always comes from their side. And I just have to wonder at what point there'll be some moment where they finally have to face up to this reality. You know, I'm not sure it will ever really happen because I've just laid out all these different cases, all these instances. They have nothing. They'll say, oh, Trump once said something about, you know, kick his butt or something at a campaign rally, you know? That's one time, and I don't think anybody actually got hurt, and Trump was a little caught up in the moment. But that doesn't compare to the stuff that we're seeing from the left on a daily basis. Not like 18 months ago, two years ago, yesterday, today, next week. We know which side the violence comes from. It comes from the more emotional and self-righteous end of the political spectrum. That is Democrats today. That is leftists. That's just truth. It's a reality that they do not want to face up to, but it's one that I will not let them skate around anymore. This is, in fact, what is going on. So I I just think it's, you know, the Whoopi Goldberg situation. Yes, I know it's not really it's not really a big deal. Who really cares? But it's yet another instance of Whoopi started out saying that, you know, she's feeling so upset and so threatened and everything is so scary now, basically. And then she proceeds to curse at somebody, allegedly spit in her face. She says it didn't happen. And there's this huge view, this huge fight. And she invited someone into her home, in a sense, right? When you invite someone on your show, that's why I don't invite liberals on this show to just get ripped apart on air. I think that's just, I think it's gauche. I think it's ungallant. It's cheesy. If I want to have a real discussion with one, sure. But I don't think you get very far, especially with crosstalk on radio. Then you just, it's just a jumble. You can't really tell what's being said. But I would never invite somebody on with the idea that they would be humiliated, they would be undermined, and they would leave feeling like they had been degraded in some way. And the, and libs do that all the time. They do it all the time. And, they, and apparently they do it on The View now once in a while. 
Oh, my, my friends. We have a, a superb roll call session on the way shortly, so you will absolutely want to uh, stick around for that. And don't forget, speaking of The View, former co-host Jedediah Bila joins me on the Freedom Hunt podcast this week. Check it out. You've told me this 300 times. Do you know that a... That's what my tweet was about. I know. You've explained this literally 300 times. I thought the bitch was white! Damn it! I thought the bitch was white! (laughs) So that's Roseanne Barr, who is obviously still very much uh, psychologically, well, fragile, but also psychologically attached to what happened with her tweet it was not even a full-on tweet it was a response to a tweet it was in it was in the replies about valerie jarrett she made a very ill-advised and racist remark um and and mike what was the content she's this is on her youtube channel and she's just really was that supposed to be this was that an outtake or was that supposed to be like that she was aware the cameras were rolling of course yeah yeah, but, but yeah i don't know the context of it fully because they've just released this. This is all over the place now. Yeah. But it almost seems like an outtake. I, I don't know if that's an in, intentional thing. I, I'm guessing it is. But uh, but her whole contention now is that she did not realize that Valerie Jarrett was African-American. So she's screaming about that. <sighs> you know, I, 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 here's my question, Mike. Do you think Roseanne is, is, is are they going to let her make a comeback? I, I think she's just done. I think she's she's too toxic cross too many lines too and and quite honestly i i think that she got really her career beforehand i don't think she was amazing as everybody like i was never a fan of the show roseanne that's the bottom line so i just think she's done but maybe I, maybe i'm missing something that's uh special about her career or her abilities to me she just seems kind of heinous and and unappealing in every sense i agree i i was done with her after she sang the uh, national anthem and spit yeah, on the ground she grabbed her like, crotch and spit uh, on the ground and stuff and after that you're done in my book yeah, exactly it's like roseanne check yourself before you wreck yourself uh, but you know this is a the thing there was another guy who was it somebody got uh somebody got jammed up with tweets the last 24 another guy old tweets and i i've said this so many i, I it was a guy he was Tied to the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. I've said this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he was a director, I think, right? Was he the director? He was a director of the new one, yeah. Um, Because I've said this so many times. If I wasn't in the commentary business, meaning that I didn't have to share my thoughts about things that were happening as part of my job, I would either be a Twitter viewer or I would have somebody professionally handling my social media just to put out, you know, appearances or now I'm thinking like, hey, I'm like a rock star. But I just it's just not worth the risk. I see these professional athletes that are getting what the, the guy at the MLB game recently. He got in all this trouble for uh, for stuff. And it was stuff that he tweeted out years ago. I mean, he was 17 when he tweeted it. You know, so this is now uh, we're, we're in this world where I think this is the this is step one of oppo research on anyone now. And, and that should be kept in mind that they just. They immediately dive into previous tweets and previous Facebook postings and and they'll, you know, anything that you there's no context for it. Right. They just find it and they put it up there so you can get in a lot of trouble, even if you don't say something stupid. But the reality is most people, especially people who don't, you know, for some of these people, I feel like, Mike, they didn't know that they were going to get famous. 
right? They didn't know. When you're 17, you don't know if you're going to become a public person. So, so maybe you write some stupid things thinking that no one's going to see it and it doesn't matter. It doesn't excuse it, but you do see how somebody could be so dumb, right? Because if you're not a public figure at the time. And you probably don't understand at the time the, the reach that it's going to eventually that's have. That's right, yeah. Yeah, the people are, are, look, everyone has a digital archive of everything now. It's, I'm so glad, man. We are the last, Mike, we're the last generation. You, me, John, you know, we, we think back to the Zach Morris giant cell phone and, and how, like, if you had a beeper, you were either a drug dealer or a doctor. And, like, there was just not, there was this whole realm of the privacy of life that existed that's just all gone now. Anyway. This is kind of a rant. I know it's really not very much to do with the Roseanne thing other than, you know, one one tweet, one late one late at night tweet from Roseanne cost 200 people their jobs. They say they're bringing back the show, though, which I feel like is not going to be successful. But I don't I didn't think it was good in the first place. Right. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. I didn't didn't think it was good at all. Yeah. It wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. I thought it was really the whole thing was really. true. Oh, oh, um, by the way. I did watch what uh, Who is America? I watched the first episode because I was I talked about it and I didn't want to talk trash. It is horrible. It's not funny. It is not good. The the, the one Israeli martial arts gun guy is like uh, can have some kind of funny moments. His other characters, I am shocked. He does a whole Sasha Baron Cohen does a whole sketch and he does kind of go he, he kind of goes after not liberals but maybe a, there's one character a little bit so i said if it's bipartisan at least that's a good start but it, the problem is not even that it's liberal comedy stuff the problem is that it's just terrible it is really really bad i'm it's disappointing like like when dave Chappelle finally came back and we were all excited for his stand-up and then we we're like wow you're just not funny anymore that's that's a sad thing that happened. You can't just go away for 10 years and not do this and come back and like still be relevant and funny. That was what happened. It's like that with Sasha Baron Cohen, folks. Sorry. Uh, we have a roll call coming up. Stay with me. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Rock and roll, fellow patriots. We made ours go up to 11. It's time for Roll Call. All right, it's Friday, which means we get to do a double dose of Roll Call, which is a fun thing for me because I get to see what all of you think, what all you write, and gives me something to work off of, which I very much appreciate before I get off into the weekend's craziness. By the way, I will be on the Greg Gutfeld program on Fox News, which airs Saturday, I believe, 8 Eastern, the Greg Gutfeld Show, we are going to have a fantastic show. Please do tune in. Set your DVRs for Fox for this Saturday. Uh, really enjoy hanging out with Greg and the gang. Greg was the first person to ever put me on TV at Fox, uh, something I will never forget and always appreciate. And we had some great shows back in the Red Eye days, and I think you're going to see we have a great show here for your Saturday night enjoyment. 
Even if you go out Saturday night, folks, make sure you DVR it. It's fun to watch Sunday night when you're at home, too. All right. Now, uh, officialteambuck at gmail.com in the inbox. Here's what we've got. And then we'll get to some Facebook in the next part of our roll call. All right. Kyle, he writes, it's basic human nature to unite people against a common enemy, resulting in strong and positive bonds within that society. Think World War II. Currently, though, we are lacking a common enemy. So the left is acting by pitting or actively pitting smaller and smaller groups against each other, thinking they will divide and conquer and then take power. Problem is, as we learned from the Roman Empire, for one, when there is no remaining common enemy unifying the citizens of a diverse country, the civilization was destroyed from within. It's not China or Russia that I'm worried about taking the U.S. down militarily. I think it'll be ourselves and it'll be 100 percent attributable to the left's desperate and misguided ploy for power. I wish our politicians actually learned history in school instead of just memorizing important dates and people. Lack of historical perspective is the number one reason for most of our current societal problems. It's why we are doomed to repeat it from Kyle. Uh, Kyle, let me just say also, I, I agree with you in, with regard to the teaching of history. History is stories uh, and needs to be taught as stories. Now, you need dates and names to go with the stories. You can't tell a story without dates and names. You don't have characters you don't have any sense of movement you don't have any sense of progression uh, but it is a story and i think a lot of the history that i was taught was it was almost like you were just supposed to memorize entire paragraphs and not understand what was really going on and given all of the just the proliferation of different videos and audio and visual tools you can use now to learn history to understand the stories to get deeper and deeper into it man it'd be amazing to be able to go back and do you know, medieval, like I, I studied uh, history of the Crusades in college. Some of you are like, Buck, why do you like these things so much? I studied history of the Crusades in college. And to be able to even to go back now, there's just so much more information. I, mean, I could pull up videos. I could pull up photos of actual crusade uh, era weapons on my phone and study them. And, and I could reach out and email the, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this was possible when I was in college, but it was a little, little less rich, a little less stuff online. Uh, but certainly wasn't possible when I was in high school and when I also did study of uh, medieval Europe. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm nerding out on the history. Uh, but yeah, politicians don't know our history. That is for sure. Paul writes, Buck, I'm disinclined to believe that Robert Spencer is white nationalist scum uh, from around the first half hour of your July 19th Thursday show. His name does sound pretty white nationalist, maybe blurrable with some genuine white nationalist. He is the spokesman for Jihad Watch, which is affiliated with David Horowitz. Yes, uh, Paul, you are correct. And this is a correction I've already issued. But just to clarify, I was referring to Richard Spencer, the white nationalist mentioned in the or I was I was intending to refer to Richard Spencer, the white nationalist, open white nationalist. Not that's not a uh, a description of him that requires any editorializing. He is a white nationalist. Uh, not Robert Spencer, similar ish name, uh, but Robert Spencer is an author of uh, the Jihad Watch series tied to the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, not only is he not a white nationalist, but, you know, he's he's on our team. Right. Robert Spencer, not Richard Spencer. Robert Spencer is on our team. So I, I got the, the names. Look, it's live radio. Sometimes that'll happen. I got the names. Uh, I was not thinking of Robert Spencer when I said that. I just got the names wrong. So Robert Spencer, author, Jihad Watch, David Horowitz, Freedom Center guy, has absolutely nothing to do with Richard Spencer, who is white 
nationalist scum. And uh, there you have it. So that that is the correction, official on-air correction once again. Uh, But yes, Paul, anytime I get something wrong, let me know. All right, I want to know what's going on there. Uh, Do solutions, what the what? No, sounds like something the wife unit hiatus from the hut. What? I don't know what's going on here. Do solutions, but uh, thank you for the email. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that one. Uh, another communication request from a county jail. Um, I, I guess I'll have to accept. Uh, what do you? Yeah, I'll accept. But I don't have anything to read here right now. So next up is Cynthia, who writes, "Dear Buck, love your show." I wholeheartedly agree with your caller who appreciates that you fill a void in the 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. hour. When I get home from work, it's so often uh, hard to get that second wind and do all the homework I need to. Um, So when you started your show, I found more energy as I can listen to you while I'm getting all my mundane chores done. So thank you for that. Uh, It was neat to hear the audio of Larry Kudlow on your show Wednesday night. He's one of my favorite persons. The only drawback with his new job at the White House is that we are no no longer able to hear his radio show on Saturday. I love how he was, is never afraid to debate an issue with his guests and always treated them kindly and fostered that atmosphere on his show. Regarding plants, plants actually use oxygen to breathe. They have a process of respiration, which just like humans takes in oxygen and gives off carbon dioxide. It's the process of photosynthesis that uses carbon dioxide and gives off oxygen. Yes, correct. True. Um, and in fact, during times of high heat, photosynthesis rates are reduced more than respiration. So more CO2 in the summer, and yet they survive. Wow. A lot of science here. Thanks, Cindy. Cindy's dropping all kinds of science knowledge here. Uh, and she says it's a very small percentage of our atmosphere. People are fussing over anyway. Yes. Yes. True. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, uh, here we go. Uh, we have JM who writes, Buck, love the show. And I think I've converted a number of my coworkers into tuning in. Just a quick correction for you. On July 18th, you, com- you commented on Obama whining about the economy and how it was unfair. You made a quick comment passing through the point, something to the effect of Bush didn't see it coming, but whatever. Perhaps I'm misunderstanding you, but I never want to miss an opportunity to lay down clearly where most, if not all others, blame uh, or the blame for that crisis belongs. Bush did see it coming early in his time at the White House and raised alarms uh, for years but was ignored by Congress and the media and largely seemed to refuse to relay the message. Um, Here's a timeline. Thanks for bringing this quality information. I have two folks I listen to daily, three if time allows. Uh, You're one of the two for many reasons. May the swoop live long, healthy and happy with Shields High, Jared. Well, Jared, thank you. Um, I'd have to go back and see if Bush was really raising the alarms on this one. I know he wasn't responsible for the financial crisis, but because he was president, it was laid at his feet, laid at his doorstep. And that's just the way politics works. Uh, but I'll check it out and see if he was trying to do more to stop it. But there was a lot of spending during the Bush years. A lot of spending. Andrew writes, hi, Buck. You face. You seem to know movies very well. And for that, much respect. Would you consider The Princess Bride an action movie? At first thought you'd say, no, idiot. That's a comedy, a romance. But the more you think about it, it has sword fights, poisonings, setting a blanket on fire, torture, etc. P.S. I'm trying to bulk up and dress as Jack Burton for Halloween. Nobody will understand it, but I will. And that's all that matters. And it's all in the reflexes from Andy. Well, Andy, first of all, Jack Burton is a timeless character. Second of all, uh, 
No, I got to throw a flag on this one. The Princess Bride is not, it is not, I repeat, an action movie. It is a historical epic. It is in the fantasy and fiction genre, but I cannot give, I cannot wave you through on action movie. Not enough violence. It's also a kid's movie. I mean, it's great. I still watch it to this day, but it's also a kid's movie. Uh, Chuck writes, I've been super busy, so I've not been able to write you a thank you compliment. I wanted to thank you for the riff reminding people that socialism is a top-down control philosophy. I thought you did that in a way that went beyond the usual, the left wants control. Now let's keep that message and start reminding listeners of what real freedom looks like under Americanism. Uh, I know that is not as... uh, Yeah, there we go. Thanks again, Chuck. Uh, well, thank you very much, Chuck. I appreciate the, uh, the support and the kind note. Steve writes, exclamation point. Thanks, Steve. I'm hoping it's a good exclamation, so I'll, I'll take it. Uh, Daniel writes, my head hurts. Okay, I hope you got some Advil for that, Daniel. Take care of yourself. Larry writes, uh... FBI circular evidence in the uh, in the headline here. He writes and also, hey, I like your Freedom Hut podcast too. love your show. Shields high. Since I listen by podcast, sometimes I'm late to the topics. But one of the FBI and the circular evidence brought to mind an incident of my own from 30 years ago. And he goes into tremendous detail here. Um, Let me just say, Larry, I will read your whole note, but I don't have time to read this all on air right now, but it will get read by me and I'll respond as soon as I can. That said, it is where we have to uh, take a station break. Got to pay some Freedom Hut bills, folks, what we do. Uh, But we have more Roll Call coming up. And remember, if you want to be a part of this amazing party known as Roll Call, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton, the best way to do it, which is coming up. Guys, don't forget about the Freedom Hut podcast. I had a great chat with my friend Jedediah Bila about life in the media, what's going on in politics right now, also cell phones and how they are destroying and taking over our lives at the same time. I've known Jedediah now for seven years, so uh, we, we go back a ways, and I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a, it's a perfect thing to put on. Uh, and just listen while you're doing the dishes this weekend, while you're grilling up some steaks or burgers, you know, while you're going to the store to pick up some beer, whatever it is. It's it's a quick show, but uh, please do check it out. Just go on iTunes or Stitcher and type in uh, the Freedom Hut and it'll pop up. If you're already in a podcast subscriber, it should be in your feed, but you might have to go into your iTunes and actually click listen on it. Uh, so please do that when you get a chance. And with that... We have a bit more roll call to get through today because, you know, you know, I love the roll call. You know, I love the roll call. Uh, It's the greatest part of anyone's day every day. Well, that might be a little much, but it's still really good. I I really do enjoy it. Um, And I'm also stalling because my Facebook page has, as I am now live on air with you, uh, decided to freeze because why, why not technology why not fail me when I'm on a nationally syndicated radio show with a, a mass of people listening? Okay, here we go. Uh, Jen writes, thank you for helping me laugh every day at the left and their nonsense. Miss Molly's a lucky lady. Shields high. Well, thank you, Jen. Miss Molly will be probably quick to remind you that I'm actually a very lucky man, but I, I appreciate you looking at it from my side of, of things for a moment. 
And uh, I, I try to make people laugh, try to inform, try to bring some insight. Uh, and this is the best part of my day. My favorite thing that I do in media is this radio show. No question. It's just the way it is. Uh, and talking to all of you. Some of you have probably realized that because I do a show where I have to deal with liberalism and progressivism in the morning on TV, that when I get to just be myself and do my thing at night, there's a little extra fire in the belly. I think it's probably true these days because I'm just like, oh, let me just tell you guys the truth. OK, this morning I had to be polite. I don't want to be polite anymore. Let me just go. And that's what ends up happening on the radio show. Adam writes uh, on getting Jordan Peterson. I approve. Give him a lot of time to explain, though. OK, Adam, um, you know what? Uh, Producer Mike, let's reach out to Jordan Peterson, see if he'll come back on. We had him on a few months ago. I haven't been. I'm kind of curious what your what your thoughts are on this team. I, I haven't had that many guests on. And it's not because I don't, you know, I, I, look, I it's great to have on uh, you know, Guy Benson and Ben Shapiro and Emily Zanotti. And there's some people, though, that have a specific area of expertise that I think we need for the news cycle. But just other people who are great media commentators, uh, you know, I, I feel I, I look, I'm a little I'm a little jealous of your time. And I like to get to talk to all of you as much as I can. But if you think that. You know, we could get a couple more guests in the mix day in and day out. Let me know if, if you're happy with the vibe of the show right now, where it's just us talking and some roll call and some phone calls with the occasional guest. Uh, then let me know that, too. Joseph writes, hey, Buck, not sure if you thought of this comparison before, but it came to me while watching TV. Referring to the awesome movie Caddyshack, think of Donald Trump as Rodney Dangerfield's character and the swampy establishment, Democrat and Rhino, as Ted Knight's character, Judge Smales. The Bushwood Country Club members led by Smales were applauded at the thought of the were appalled, not applauded at the thought of the uncultured millionaire joining their club and did everything in their power to stop him. Sound familiar? Love your show, bro. Keep hammering those lunatic leftists from Joseph. Well, thank you, Joseph. And yeah, I I, I do get the comparison you're making there. Caddyshack one. Great movie. Timeless. Uh, Cinderella story. Uh, timeless movie. Caddyshack 2 doesn't really hold up. With Jackie Mason, not, not nearly as good. Uh, but thank you for your kind note. Robert, next up here. I cracked up during your Wednesday podcast about sanitary conditions in San Francisco when you responded to a caller with the defecation situation. <laughs> That's a great euphemism for a blank show or a blanky situation. Might make a good segment title for your show, The Defecation Situation. Uh, Robert. Well, thank you, Robert. I'm glad I, I chuckled a little bit that one later on, too. It just kind of came out. So, uh, yep, yep. And here we go. Brian. Brian writes, Buck, wondering when the Freedom Hut podcast is going to be on Stitcher. Shields high, my friend. Well, producer Mike, I'm taking producer Mike out for drinks tonight. So I'm going to you, you guys going to lay it on thick now. Tell me what I need to do I need to give producer Mike a code red? I was thinking I was going to get him some scotch, but we could also just give him a code red. Uh, but no, let me know if, if, if there's a platform that we're not on that we should be on. Um, I've gotten I'm reaching out to our digital team about what's going on with T-shirts. You know, we, we, we got to stay on top. Of, I got to stay on top of all these things and make sure that those of you who are kind enough to spend your time with me are not just having an optimal experience in terms of the content of the show. That's number one, but also that we're. You know, the sound quality is always good, and you know any of those things I like to know about. I dare I say I am an audio radio perfectionist, or at least I, I, I aspire to be somebody that you'd call a perfectionist on this stuff. All right, everybody, it's going to be it for the Freedom Hut for today. Please do check out the Freedom Hut podcast. Like I said, Jedediah Bila is the guest this week. Uh, excited to be with you every day next week. 
Until then, have a great weekend, everyone. Shields high. Simply Safe is simply the best in the home security business. I have a Simply Safe system at home, and it is so easy to use. You download an app, by the way, you can control everything, and you know everything that's going on in your home and you're away. It gives you complete peace of mind. It runs off of your Wi Fi, it's so easy to set up, and Simply Safe is all about the details. They even set up their own glass break test facility. So they could run glass break simulations to make sure that you didn't get or you won't get any false positives, right? Simply Safe is all about those kinds of details, and that's what sets them apart from other security companies. It's designed so that you will never even notice it in your home, and there's no contracts. So Simply Safe is going to work hard for your business. Visit simplysafe.com/buck now. I've got it at home. I can't recommend it more highly for all of you. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Again, simplysafe.com slash buck.